All right, and we are here again, and we are back again. As always, I'm Matt. I'm Drew. And this is the Back Again Podcast. This is the only movie review show where we take a sequel from the past and find out if, in fact, it is worth going back again. We're on the second half of our action movie sequel list, and today we are doing the follow-up to the 1982 48 Hours, and we are doing another 48 Hours. One, two, three, four, it's been seven long years. Look, I got 48 hours to bring this guy in. I'm history. You want me to go out with you for another 48 hours? Now look, Reggie, this time I promise you it's gonna be different. But Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte are back. Let me tell you something. I ain't working for you. I don't like you and I don't trust you. Another 48 Hours comes out in 1990. It's directed by Walter Hill. It's starring Eddie Murphy, Nick Nolte, Brian James, Ed O'Ross, David Anthony Marshall, and Brett Jennings. Another 48 Hours picks up five years after the events of the first film, where policeman Jack Cates once again needs the assistance of convict Reggie Hammond in hunting down a serial killer known as the Iceman, who has targeted Reggie as his next victim. So that's like kind of like the, I guess, the general plot of this movie. But if you think about it, there's a, there's a couple other different subplots as well. Because not only do you have, and you can jump in anytime you want here, but not only do you have the introduction of some bikers at the beginning of the movie, and then we reveal that this is later going to be the brother of the bad guy from the first film. But then once we finally get to see Nick Nolte again, he like kills this guy in like a gun battle. Um, and apparently the guy had a picture of... Uh, Eddie Murphy's character, and this is going to insinuate that, that like somebody's out to like kill him next, right? Just to go back to that killing of that guy, he then gets in trouble, Nick Nolte, because apparently the guy didn't have a gun on him, or they couldn't find a gun after the fact. That's never addressed. We see him shoot a gun at Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte... <laughs> He blows him away. He blows up the gas station, essentially. And they and so everything's incinerated and they can't find the weapon that the convict used. But I don't know, like, you know, they're they're actually looking, and it's not like the gun just disappears if it like melted in extreme heat. But they never do end up finding it, and that's the main crux of the whole story, is that well, I guess it's not the main one, but it at least is for like the first act. Which is, you know, internal affairs is on um Nick Nolte's ass because he just like, you know. Uh, uh, unlawful killing or whatever you want to call it well it's one of those things where like how we always say with these sequels they double down it's not only is there somebody that's going to try to kill kill eddie murphy but he also needs to find this guy because it's going to prove that he's right about this theory or this you know a rumor that there's a killer named the Iceman, and it it can kind of prove that you know he he was getting shot at by this guy but the whole the only reason why well it's, it's more of like a stepping stone i feel like well the only reason why they even introduce that gun disappearing thing is because that's their wink from the first one because in the first one the bad guy takes nick nolte's gun and then the whole movie is not only finding this guy but it's getting his gun back and this one they don't have kind of a clever way to kind of keep nick nolte extra invested so they put in this like you said internal affairs thing where it's like you killed a guy and we couldn't find his gun so now if you don't prove your innocence you're going to jail and of course eddie murphy then can have fun with that because he can be like good because i'm in jail and uh i think that's a good segue into talking about eddie murphy once again being in jail in this movie because the first 48 hours like we said comes out in 1982 this movie comes out in 1990 so this is eight years actually after the fact but they say in the movie that it's only five years and when we ended the first 48 hours i asked you i was like eddie murphy's character he was getting out actually in like 13 months or like six months it was like yeah like six months six months or something like that so there was like risk to him even participating in the first 48 hours because he was so close to getting out of jail in this one apparently he got out or he did something bad again and now now he's been in prison for another five years. Well, he got framed, I think. 
well, he got framed, but like, geez, it's been five years that he's it's, still been in prison. It's such a shameless recycling of the plot where it's yeah. like logic dictates that if they did a sequel, they shouldn't have first off and two that they would do something different where they would at least flip the script where Eddie Murphy needs Nick Nolte's help. Yeah. And Nick Nolte has they should have just fast forwarded to where Nick Nolte shot a guy that should have been the opening. He's arrested. That's that's like your first act. And then Eddie Murphy comes to him. That's your beginning of act two. And Eddie Murphy needs help. And Nick Nolte now like either owes him a favor or is like reluctant to do it. I don't know. You could have fun with that. But they they literally just contort the story or the plot or the sequence of events to put Eddie Murphy just back in jail so they can just verbatim redo the first movie. Yeah, I think no matter what they did to try to switch it in the second one, like based off everything you pitched, we can both agree that this movie just would have been a lot better if we started with Eddie Murphy out of prison. Yeah. Like he's he's a free man. Let's see what he's up to. Let's see what he's doing. I think it would have been interesting, like you said, to where Nick Nolte, you keep that shooting in there and he's in trouble. And when he's, you know, pretty much stripped from his badge and gun, he's kind of like an independent, you know, detective at that point. <laughs> you know, he's kind of just like doing it on his own will. So then he can go to Eddie Murphy for help. And now they're both like kind of, you know, well, that's the loose cannons. He would have just been stripped. He would have been, uh, uh, he would have been like arrested yeah yeah well even if they you know just says like you know uh what's it called like professional courtesy they just give him like a leave and they say like you know you're gonna have like you're gonna have 48 hours to get your affairs in order before like you know get a lawyer do all your kind of stuff and he decides to use that 48 hours to try to prove his innocence that would be really good, that would yeah. be good. There, there's your stakes right there is we, we've got 40 hours for you to put your affairs in order before you're shipped off to prison and yeah. then instead of doing that he gets eddie murphy to help him that would have been god that's such a good idea we yeah. came up with that in like 10 minutes but no instead we get eddie murphy's just back in prison nick, nick Nolte's needs, go, help, he needs his help again he needs his help again uh we don't really know why eddie murphy is deciding to help him but there's the threat of the money from the first one apparently this money has still just been lying around nick nolte reveals that he's got it in like a locker the money or something like that never been spent but i mean those are the only stakes and to be honest at the end of the movie i don't remember if eddie murphy gets the money back he does because it's in the locker and he like offers it to him yeah but doesn't he just go back to prison i honestly don't remember i, don't remember I really checked out by the end i got i got like halfway through act three yeah. and then i really checked out well let's uh just to talk about like the main plot once again it, it's a little convoluted and it does everything that the sequels do and it does the same thing that most sequels do which is i guess two bad guys so we're gonna start off with our motorcycle bad guys well there's like three well, well, okay. Well, that might be a spoiler, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Because I'm, only, I thought there was only two bad guys. If there's a third, then we'll. Well, get if you're to counting that. the two bikers as one bad guy, then yeah. Then yeah, yeah, I'm just counting the bikers as like one. Okay, the bikers. Bad. Yeah, is and their leader, the leader in the bikers, is the brother from the bad guy of the first one. So he's kind of our main bad guy. He's going around. He's actually he he shoots Nick Nolte in the chest he like five times. Yeah, Nick Nolte's like sitting at a diner. He taps on the glass. You know, bang, bang, bang. And then we're like, oh, that's a wrap on Nick Nolte. But then like, no, I think the doctor does a throwaway line where she's like good thing you're always wearing that bulletproof vest which would have been like fine if that was something he did in the first one it actually would have been really clever if like like eddie murphy just sees it in the first one he makes a comment on it but nick nolte never ends up getting shot and then the second one there's your payoff well they don't even really use it right because even when nick nolte shows himself again and that biker thinks that i mean like he's surprised that he's alive he just says like no way but it reminded me of the first lethal weapon when gary Busey, not nick nolte but gary Busey drives by and shoots mel gibson into the window and then they decide like no we can use this to our advantage because now they think you're dead so there's nothing even like thrown in there i think it's just like a they just shoot nick nolte just to kind of oh this bad guy's really bad we have to make sure that we know that as the audience well that's the thing too is like it's 
we were talking and we're like especially with the opening we're like this looks just like a tv show it was just super long it was like letting all the credits go and then it didn't look good it looked it very look like good. like uh pixelized and by the time you get to uh that point where he gets shot it's almost like an act break for a tv show yeah. where, where it's like we got to go to commercial now so we're going to leave a little cliffhanger so the audience will like stay tuned and it's like you can tell they did that because they didn't th the and Nick Nolte's death didn't then lead to anything. There wasn't a clever play on it. There wasn't like a, a revelation. It's just, oh, it's like, oh, no, he's dead. Oh, no, he's not. It and, didn't then, even, and, and then he's just back in the fight. It didn't even contribute to like an emotional level either. Like, I mean, I guess the only kind of emotional beat that you really have in the first 48 hours is when they really beat up each other. And they're just kind of like, you know, letting out, I guess, their anchor <laughs> if you want to. Uh, but in this one, I mean, he, he literally gets shot and we think he's dead, but it's never treated with like, it's not like Eddie Murphy cares. It's not like Nick Nolte cares. The doctor's like, hey, you're always wearing that bulletproof vest. So. And it's like they had the they had the girlfriend in the first one as the emotional anchor yeah. so that we have a reason to like care, you know, so we see his soft side with his like racist side. And then like in this one, he's like a throwaway line. Girlfriend left me. And it's like, oh. Well, yeah, because they need him to be angry and depressed, right? It would have been more Why probably... Why down on that? Well, that's because it's a sequel, right? But I mean, let's say uh, hypothetically that uh, he's still with his girlfriend. They're actually engaged at this point. Then when he gets shot, there's actual stakes. Then when exactly. she comes to the hospital, it's like, you've got to stop doing this. He's like, you don't understand. I got to prove my innocence. She's like, you just have to be my husband. Yeah. <laughs> he could have did something like that. <laughs> but no, instead, he's just, he does in like a throwaway Nick Nolte line. Ah, she left me. And then, you know. So that's our first bad guy, right? <clears throat> and then the second bad guy is the rumor of this killer, or I guess he's it's also the Iceman. The, he's the Iceman, but he's also the person that apparently puts together these jobs that Eddie Murphy did in the first one. So it's kind of weird because the, just the rumors of this guy, you know, being called the Iceman, but what does he actually do? Does he kill people? Does he just put together jobs? Is he just like the biggest like name in crime right now that they can never see seem to track down and get that's essentially exactly what he is just but they, the last one yeah it's the last one but then they also like uh introduce this idea that it could be like a dirty cop but my point i'm trying to make is is like what does the Iceman do besides just being like you know was he like a wilson fisk where he's just like the head of a bunch of crime that's being taken place in the city i don't understand why it's such a big deal for nick nolte <laughs> to find this guy because it's not like they're you know killing cops or anything like that they play it up like it's uh like a scapegoat for nick nolte to explain why like all this bad stuff keeps happening to him and honestly it would have just been better if like the Iceman didn't exist and it was just all in nick nolte's head because he is just like not that great at his job he's a hothead and he's like a loose cannon but instead they they just build the Iceman like myth for him to react to and then it just ends up being completely real it ends up being exactly what he needs it to be the the, the plot is servicing the character and maybe it's just a thing too of like the crime in the city is just so out of control and this is what's we don't causing... even know what city it is but it's, but it's like okay let's say the crime is just crazy and it, it makes it tear it wears and tears on people wears and tears on nick nolte it wears and tears on his relationship on his car on his anger on everything uh so that's why he's got to find the ice man because he's got to cut the the head off the snake right i didn't get that feeling that the city was that bad or that you know the crime was soaring uh, i got the feeling that it was soaring more in the first one because we actually see them kill a cop in the opening scene, or not the opening scene, but in our first confrontation with the bad guy. They kill a cop Nolte. in this one. They kill a cop in this one, but it's not like, in that first one, it really felt like a moment in the movie that was like we were supposed to pay attention to. There's so much kind of bullshit in this movie. It's just kind of, everything's kind of like a throwaway. 
You know, when we got to our final act where we were like, I think we paused the movie. We were like, how much time is left? And there was only like 20 minutes left or 15. I was like, oh, wow. Like this movie's almost over. Yeah, are we going into the third act? I didn't know that it we... sounds like we're in the middle of act two. It, I didn't know we learned anything <laughs> so far. So we get to like that club or whatever. And then we reveal that one of the detectives from the first one who's also in the second one, is the Iceman. It's like his partner. So he's the Iceman, he's doing crime, and, you know... So those are the two bad guys, and you said Which there's a that third? Was, that was a really good reveal, honestly, but they didn't build it up at all. Because it, it wasn't like... They they had their misdirects where, like, Nick Nolte was so sure that it was the internal affairs officer investigating him, but then they don't have those little moments where uh, an intellectual or someone who has seen the movie before would know, like, that's where, like, the screenwriter wanted us to suspect the partner. It, it just ends up being him at the end. Yeah, but is it even, a, like, a clever flip if all you're doing is just misdirecting? Like when they ham up. No, it's not. You need to have those like seeds. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So really they just ham up one character as like the bad guy. They make the other guy so kind of boring and subtle. Then all of a sudden he's just, you know, flippity doodah. He's the bad guy. Um, And then honestly, I don't even really remember how he kills him. Nick Nolte or how you I don't him. either that was like as soon as that reveal happened that was like when I checked out um which is interesting because you know the first 48 hours just to talk about it a little bit it's not like an amazing movie I understand but it's like competent it, it was competent I understand why it was popular at its time um it was you know a very untraditional kind of buddy cop or buddy team up type of movie um even though there are things that are like uncomfortable about that movie especially when we deal with like race and sex but nonetheless you know it's still it still contributes something in the action genre and also you have the chemistry between uh, nick nolte and eddie murphy carrying that i didn't feel like they had very good chemistry in the second one and there just are not memorable moments so like in that first one there's just a lot more memorable moments that stuck out to me um the first time we meet eddie murphy and even then just to go back to the action of how they killed the bad guy in the third act nick nolte in that first one he just kind of like walks up to him almost like a cowboy and he just like shoots him blank like a bunch of times and he kind of like stands there in the fog and you see his shadow and stuff so it's a really kind of cheesy way to kill the bad guy but it's still memorable right and I, we in in regards to the second one we can't even remember how he kills the bad guys and i think what's a little different about this movie too just to go into the budget and the box office right so uh, the first 48 hours, like we said, comes out in 1982. It's got a budget of $12 million and it's got a box office of $78.9 million. And then the second one, another 48 hours, which comes out in 1990, it's got a budget of $50 million and it's got a box office of $153.5 million. So but it's still kind of successful. It's still kind of successful, right? But now when we get into the Rotten Tomato scores, <laughs> okay? So the first 48 hours has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, right? And then another 48 Hours, which comes out in 1990, has a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so yeah, like that first one's not like amazing, but it is very competent in what it's trying to do. And it's got somewhat memorable scenes and entertaining moments. But the second one, I mean, I'm sure it just made all its money back because people wanted to see Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte back at it. But man, did they really, they really fell for that sequel trap where they just put everybody kind of in the same position that they were in the first one. They kind of doubled down on the villains. They introduced a little plot twist, but... I don't really think there was any memorable even action scenes in this movie. Action know? scenes, no. Or even performances. Like, Well, I like the scene when um, they were in the bar and uh, Eddie Murphy saw the, I forget the woman's name, but it was the woman who pickpocketed the guy. And then he goes and like cons him into like, I'll go get your money back if you give me half. And then he goes and he tries to con the girl and then the girl brings out the knife. Like that whole sequence was like entertaining. That was just like a good character moment. Yeah. Everything else is so reliant on these villains that no one cares about because it's just the Iceman. No one even believes 
that he exists except for Nick Nolte. Yeah, and those scenes are funny. They're just so like, you know, it kind of reminds me of certain things in Bad Boys 2 that we just did where you have these kind of side scenes that kind of just are fun, but they don't really contribute to the plot of the movie in any kind of way. No, you know, yeah. we, we have a lot of those scenes in the first 48 hours, even when we go to the cowboy bar and Eddie Murphy does his whole like performance, mm-hmm. you know, with the gun and stuff. But that's a fun scene that's also contributing to the plot because they need to be there. Right. I'm sure they needed to be at this bar as well, but it's just it's very disjointed and it's yeah. you know. So so I'm only hanging on to this movie watching it if I get, you know, kind of just fun scenes that distract me from the plot rather than contribute to the plot. But yeah, that's the whole thing is like in, in the first one everything is in service to the plot where they like the redneck bar, for example, they needed to be there because they needed to question and they end up questioning the bartender. Um in this one and and then the conflict stems from that. In this one, Nick Nolte's questioning the bartender, there's exposition happening, and then Eddie Murphy's sequence is there to distract us from being bored from the exposition that's being delivered to Nick Nolte. And then it's they're two elements that are just like in conflict with each other because you just have something entertaining that's not relevant to the plot and then you have exposition which is not entertaining but is important for the plot and it needs to be in there. And they just, I don't know if it was they couldn't or they wouldn't but they just didn't find a way for those two to mix. To be fair, I think there is another memorable moment in uh, another 48 hours, and it, it's actually the ending, because we were just saying how we forgot about the ending. <laughs> like, oh, it, what it. was it? And it's starting to come back to me now, and it's actually uh, Eddie Murphy's held at gunpoint, and Nick Nolte, has, he shoots Eddie Murphy in oh, the shoulder. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and, then he, and then he shoots the guy. So but that's the whole thing, is like, it, they, the, with Nick Nolte being shot before, and these characters not being... I don't know. Like, if they felt disjointed, yeah. there were no stakes when that happened. But think about it. It's the exact same ending as the first one because Eddie Murphy is held at gunpoint in the first one by the bad guy. And then Nick Nolte comes up and he, and he shoots him a bunch of times. The only difference is in the second one, he's held at gunpoint, but he's just holding him to his chest this time. So he's using Eddie Murphy as a shield. Mm-hmm. So Nick Nolte just does what he did in the first one. He just keeps shooting straight mm-hmm. and he shoots Eddie Murphy and then he shoots the bad guy. It did good, Reggie. It did real good. Doc says he's gonna be fine. Guess I'm a pretty good shot, huh? No one really seems like they want to be there. Like, the performances from Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy are good, but, you know, their performances are way better than the first one. They just seem kind of like, we're doing this again? All right, let's just do it, you know? Um, Eddie Murphy isn't really funny, and he doesn't really have to be funny, but I would say that he was very smooth and confident and charming in the first one. Like, he plays it very cool uh, the first time he contributes to one of the missions where a guy's running out of the apartment, and he opens the car door, flips him over, and he grabs the gun really quick. Like, he's just very smooth, and this... Second one, he just seems angry because he's been stuck in prison again for another well, five yeah, years. Yeah, Nick Nolte's just using him again. Eddie Murphy is essentially, or his character is essentially like the audience, where he's just like, I can't believe I'm still in prison. I can't believe you're coming to me again with this stupid 48-hour bullshit. And I can't believe you still have my money that's in like I a locker. I can't believe that I haven't gotten my money yet. It's like Eddie Murphy is just the audience. Yeah. And then Nick Nolte's just a director. Yeah. Ah, you're the convict, I'm the cop, you're going to do what I say. It's like, you're the audience, I'm the director, you're going to watch the movie. I don't know if we've used this word yet uh, to describe any of the movies on this uh, list so far, but I would say that this one is the most forgettable. Yeah. It's almost like I, you could tell, you could have told me that this movie didn't exist and I believe you. Which is really funny because like we were trying so hard to like not do a forgettable movie for like this one because this was kind of the last slot that we had to fill and we just ended up <laughs> screwing ourselves so hard by picking this. You still here? I didn't think you'd stick around. You think I'm happy about being here, you can guess again, all right? So as always on this podcast, we have three questions that lead to a final vote of is it worth going back again? And the first question is, does it work as a sequel? 
Nope. I always, I feel like I always say this, but I, uh, it, like, this is like the worst sequel. Like, I feel like I said that with Escape from LA. I feel like I said that with like another movie. It's like, we just keep getting worse and worse sequels because this one, it literally, it's nothing's changed. They, 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 they simultaneously say five years have passed because we need a reference point and yet nothing is different. Yeah. And, and, and the stakes weren't raised either, right? Because that's the thing we always look for in these sequels. At least, like you know, let's, oh, well, let's... the thing is, I don't give a shit about the external stakes. I don't give a shit about the villain and buddy cop movies. I care about the stakes that they have with each other. And in this one, yeah, there's there's nothing. Well, I'll say this because most sequels, what they try to do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an X as well. I don't think it works as a sequel, but what most sequels try to do is they try to give the illusion of higher stakes. But then you look at another 48 hours, <clears throat> and we introduce two new bad guys. But does anything bigger happen? Do the stakes get actually more uh, dangerous? Or do, they, do the stakes just even get bigger? Like, I would argue that they don't. It's even, this movie is probably more contained than the first one. And the first one already had a contained movie because they were just chasing a guy around the city who happened to have his gun. Yeah. They're, it's like the same thing with this one, only it's not even as interesting or big, right? Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just the connections looser because instead of the bad guy actually having something that Dignity needs, it's a ghost that he's chasing. And those only work if the ghost ends up being a symbol <clears throat> well, or a he, metaphor. He needs to prove that he's innocent, but it's just kind of weird that the way that he proves that he's innocent and that he doesn't have to get convicted for manslaughter is by proving the existence of this fictional or this rumored bad guy named the Iceman. But it's just very like, it's just kind of sloppy. That would have right? been fine if it wasn't if the crux of it wasn't the gun got incinerated because that's not how that's not how gas fires work. well like what if he sh what if like he shot a guy killed him or whatever and let's say he exploded or whatever but then let's say like a day later after he's been like told like you know you're going to be convicted of manslaughter he sees that guy walking around the streets so then he's got to go find that guy and chase him down to prove that he didn't kill him I mean, I'm just trying to replace the, the yeah. gun thing that they did in the first one. The missing gun, yeah. You, know, you can like do anything. anything. Yeah. But no, it's it's he literally did kill this guy. The gun did get incinerated. We can't find it. So finding the Iceman isn't going to magically bring this gun back from incineration. The least thing that... they, the least they could have done was like shot it in a way that we don't see the other guy's gun, and then like we're constantly questioning if Nick Nolte did shoot an unarmed no, guy. No, we, we see an insert of him firing that gun like we immediately. Do. He misses yeah. Nick Nolte so many times. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the thing too is like they couldn't have found like the bullet holes in yeah. like the fucking or, or the, the anything anything yeah they're I, fucking like they're FBI they're not FBI but they're internal affairs how how, how do they not let's know just how say to they have stuff? the ability to get forensics I don't know why they didn't get forensics and they even like make a point for the internal affairs officer to say like do a complete scrub like I want I want to find this gun they don't find it they don't find anything <laughs> it's like. Between Nick Nolte and these incompetent cops, it's like whatever city this is, they're basically boned. So that sounds like it's going to get two X's right away. So the next question is going to be, is it enjoyable slash entertaining? And I'll make this one quick and I'll say it is not enjoyable slash entertaining. I think the two words that describe this movie um, that I hope we haven't used uh, so far on the list are forgettable and flat yeah flat i feel like you could only watch this movie if you hadn't seen the first movie in like a while and it was just one of your favorite movies and you just happened to catch the sequel you you it would be like us and it would be like oh they have a sequel to that movie then yeah you I, if, if you like the first one then you would you could watch this and probably like not be offended but if you do it like how we did it where you literally watch the first one then you wait a couple of days and you watch the second one so it's still fresh in your mind a lot of those scenes this one comes across so flat and it comes across as just like auto drive like autopilot right you really have to wonder if the people who like write and direct these movies actually go 
back and like watch the first one, these sequels, they go back and watch the first one yeah. to get it fresh. Because it really seems like with a lot of the mistakes that a lot of these movies seem to like, maybe not mistakes, but pitfalls they fall into, um, it really just seems like there's a disconnect between the writer, the director, and the original source material. Well, even just like look at the budgets for these, right? Like the second one has a $50 million budget. And it's like, where does that money go to? Because the first one's got $12 million. Eddie Murphy, probably. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, the first one's got $12 million, but there still are some set pieces that I remember from that movie. Like when they're chasing the bus and they're shooting the bus over there. And, you know, there I would say that there was better action in the first one than there is in the second one. There's probably more explosions in the second one. And they had like, you know, you said to pay Eddie Murphy, but it's not like the money went towards making this movie more entertaining or enjoyable. Yeah, getting better screenwriters. Mm -mm. So that sounds like it's going to get another two X's. So the last question is going to be, does it need to exist? And no, I don't think it needs to exist. No. And it's hard because a movie like this could exist. And I think based off of like what we said, even with like the different plots that we pitched, like I would like to see these characters again. I'd like to see them, you know, this is one of those things where all the things we always ask from a sequel were a bigger world, a continuation of the characters and stuff. I, I really wanted a continuation of the characters with these characters. I wanted to see them grow a little bit, see them yeah, mature. I wanted to see a different point. dynamic. Exactly. And we get the exact same dynamic. Because the whole point of the first one is the dynamic. Yeah. They, they really lean into like the race of it. They really lean into the relationship of it. it. It's the race and it's the convict cop angle. Yeah. And they don't do anything with that in the second one. Like there was a moment where the two of them were shooting guns down the street at like the bad guy. And I don't even remember how Eddie Murphy got that gun. But the first one was a whole big deal whenever he got a gun. Yeah. Right? And he's still a convict. And he's still a convict. But in this one, he just has a gun. Yeah, and I'm sure they explain it, but it, it's it like, it don't make me work for it yeah right like if you're gonna yeah if you're gonna have moments like that then at least make them clever punch them up don't just oh he's probably okay that eddie murphy has a gun now because it's been five years and he like knows you can trust him a little bit more now and it's like no make a make a deal out of it like make a fun moment yeah um it literally felt like it took 48 hours to watch the sequel it's a good one um, thank you so that sounds like it's going to get two x's <laughs> it does not need to exist so if you're doing that math at home it's going to be zero checks six x's and it's going to get one giant x for not worth going back again so yeah so i don't know it's it's kind of hard this is a shorter episode because you know it's just it was so long to get through i don't think we need to drag on anymore talking about this movie <laughs> Uh, so yeah so as always thanks for listening make sure if you like this episode make sure you like subscribe that you comment below uh, make sure you follow us on all streaming platforms where you can listen to episodes of the back again podcast and you can watch these episodes on youtube uh, just subscribe to our channel special shout out to neely for doing our intro and our outro song and yeah outside of that uh, you got anything else to add drew we're doing tomb raider next but i don't have anything clever to say bye <laughs> all right we'll see you next time I'm back.